We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Pack a Day podcast, your one-stop shop for all things green and gold. My name is Mike Wellen. I'm joined by Gage Bridgeford as as we get ready to turn toward April. We're just about a month away from the NFL draft and. The Packers have some needs to pick, and they have some places, they, positions they should be avoiding. And so today we'll be talking to you guys about where on, the, on, the, on this five-point scale we've created, the Packers should be looking at some of these uh, positions in the NFL draft. And so, Gage, I'll let you go through it. What are our five levels that we're going to go through as we talk about the NFL draft? So the five levels uh, are, I'm sure all of you are kind of have been in, uh, doing like a survey like this before, kind of the uh, strongly agree, agree, neutral, disagree, uh, strongly disagree type. So uh, that's kind of the idea we were working off of here, creating this scale. And our scale is must pick, should pick, not needed, but not frowned upon, shouldn't pick, and then fire goot is our uh, last one there. So obviously must picks, that's your that's your top priority positions. That's how everyone viewed wide receiver coming into the draft last year. Uh, and then fire goot is how everyone viewed quarterback in the year they picked Brent, Brett Hundley. I'm I'm using these as examples uh, just because it's fresh in my mind here. But So that's kind of what we're going with here. It's just kind of a – we're going to go through the roster, kind of look at the position groups and see, all right, so if Green Bay, when they come into draft night, based on where the roster is today, who, what position should they be targeting, and then who are some of the guys that uh, 
Green Bay might actually look at with some of those positions. Absolutely, and and part of that also includes which day of the draft. Obviously, they shouldn't be picking a kicker on day one. Definitely should be picking a kicker on day one. They're not the Raiders. Hey, you know what? I'm just saying, the Buccaneers just won a Super Bowl, and they picked a kicker on in the second round a couple years ago. He wasn't on the team, but they did it, so clearly that's how it works. I'm pretty sure that's how the science works. And Seabass did have a nice long career with the Raiders and Seahawks, so I mean, first-round kickers can work. But Russell was saying that if you want to pick this position on Saturday, that could maybe be an option. So there, there's a little bit of nuance with this, but in general we're going to kind of run through, like, like Gage said, the roster, maybe some of the guys in the, who are on the on draft lists who could maybe be around that wouldn't be bad selections on days either one, two, or three. So let's just jump in with the most important position, and we'll start at quarterback. And this is the phone. We, we had a, a nice, lively debate before we started recording about this one. I'm in the camp of it's either either our mid-level, which is either not near enough front of one, or shouldn't pick. Because, because it, the way I described it was, they think they have their next Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love. That's why they drafted him last year. Who's their Matt Flynn? Who's going to be the backup forever? Who's going to have that one super game, get paid, and then eventually find his way back to Green Bay at the end of his career? And there's a couple names out there, but I don't think they... They, they would not even look before day three, but with ten picks, if they keep them, or even add picks... A sixth or seventh round pick, I would not be upset if they took a quarterback. See, now, and then, so Mike said that he was between three and four on this scale versus me. I was closer to four and five. You, not only did you draft Jordan Love last year, you traded up for Jordan Love last year. You have made, you went and you made a point to go get him. You have also not restructured Aaron Rodgers' contract this offseason. That has been a big topic of discussion over the last few weeks. And Brian Gutekunst and the Packers have they have yet to make a move in regards to restructuring that deal. So they they're not exactly saying like yeah Rodgers is around for the long term. They're not saying they're going to kick him out the door, but they're not exactly giving him a, a bit of confidence by by restructuring his deal. And it very well could be that they're trying to look for a trade partner to take on Jordan Love before they do that extension because they know if they restructure Rodgers, Jordan Love's value would immediately go into the tank. I don't think that that's what they should do. I think Jordan loves a talented player. But anyway, I'm closer to the four to f- four and five range. I just don't think that quarterback is a need. I understand they have ten picks. And with ten picks, I think that what you should do is either A, trade up and try and find some of the guys on day two of this draft or maybe early day three because it a, it's a deeper draft between rounds two through four. That's, that's where the sweet spot is. I saw, I believe it was Jacob Westendorf Thursday. Thursday tweeted out, Who's the guy that you would make the the Marcus Davenport trade for? As in trade a one this year and a one next year and trade up and go get him. And I said I wouldn't. I would trade down because that's where the value is in this draft. Chris Ballard of the Indianapolis Colts is going to love this draft. I will be stunned if he picks at 21 because he likes to trade down anyway. So I think Green Bay should trade into those sweet spot middle rounds and use those extra picks. And if you like, if you want to go grab a guy on day three, go draft, I guess, Felipe Franks. That's a guy I talked about before we got started on here. Felipe is... Showed some flash at Florida. He's and then at Arkansas. He's not. He's not going to challenge for the starting job. He's just a fun, exciting guy. That I and plus he's got a cool name. That's the only reason I would pick him. I don't think he's better than Jordan Love. He wouldn't beat out Jordan Love in camp. It would just be a fun guy to have around. But I don't think Green Bay really needs to target that position. I'm sure they're going to end up taking a quarterback, and all of Twitter will inevitably burn down. But 
that that's just where I'm at. Don't don't pick it. Use your picks elsewhere. Yeah, and, and I think this is going to be the most interesting position to keep an eye on on day three, because or at the very least undrafted free agency, because they only have two quarterbacks right now. They, they they're going to need camp arms no matter what. Okay, UD, a UDFA would make sense because I think there's going to be some quarterbacks that don't get drafted, and then that I'm okay with them grabbing a guy in UDFA. That I'll give you. Because, again, like I was looking for the Matt Flynn type, who is maybe not the most toolsy quarterback on the, on the board, which in the first game I came to mind was actually Peyton Ramsey out of Northwestern, who who's he's not going to win you a game, he's not going to lose you a game. He's going to be smart with the ball, he's going to take care of it. And you, you want your backup to be able to not cost you a game. I always think if you just want a game manager like that's not going to win you the game, not going to lose you the game, that's when you go get Ian Book, who I said before we got started, no, don't go get Ian Book. Ian Book is, that's that's vanilla ice cream, my friend. He That's Matt Flynn. He's, uh, granted, he's a little short. He's only six foot tall, but... That, that that guy right there is the one that you go say, hey, Ian, just go and play the Jimmy Garoppolo role, and we'll just and we'll get to next week. Let's move on to running back, though. We talked enough about quarterback. Let's let's talk about running back. Where are you at on this position, Mike? This one is really interesting because obviously they have their top two set. We we know it's going to be Aaron Jones. It's going to be AJ Dillon. They're going to split carries. They're going to bounce things out. Aaron Jones is going to be a weapon doing a little bit of everything. Tyler Irvin's been visiting teams. He's likely gone. That leaves Dexter Williams and Patrick Taylor right now on the roster. And I know from what I've been reading on reports, they seem to be pretty high on Patrick Taylor as a third back, as a third string type guy. I think it's one where, again, on day three, you're looking at day three only. It's between three and four again. Like it's, I wouldn't be upset if they did it, but they don't need it. See, here's the thing. I like I don't know much about this Patrick Taylor guy. I need to go probably do a little bit more research on him out of Memphis, obviously, last year. Most common physical and athletic comps are Jordan Howard, Javorius Allen, uh, let's see, Jeff Wilson, Marlon Mack. There's some other names in there that he's more similar to, but all of those guys are at least an 84% physical comp. Tested, uh, had a 47, 4.57 in the 40, 34-inch broad, or 34-inch vert, 123-inch broad. So not bad numbers on the board there. For, so I don't really know how, how much they like him. I think that this position is honestly close. I, I put it right at a three for me, running back-wise. I don't know much about Patrick Taylor. If I knew more about him uh, and watched a little bit more of him, I might put him closer to a 3-4 situation, but... Since I don't know more about him, I'm going to lean more towards the three. And a guy that I think that they could look at is uh, C.J. Verdell out of Oregon. Um, 5'9", 205 pounds. Uh, he's a densely built densely built player. Um, he's not Jamal Williams, uh, especially from a personality perspective, because obviously nobody's going to be Jamal Williams. But he's a guy that I think is going to be on a roster for eight years. I don't know if it'll be Green Bay, but I think C.J. Verdell is going to come in. And similar to what we said about Ian Book and what you said about Peyton Ramsey, he's never going to lose you a game. As Like, if you lose your first two running backs, like Green Bay did uh, a couple years ago when Aaron Jones came in against Dallas, you lost your top two running backs, you had to put somebody in there, and you put in Aaron Jones. And Aaron Jones went on and has now been everything that we've seen him be so far. C.J. Burdell is that kind of guy. He may I, I'm not saying he's got the ceiling that Aaron Jones does, but you can give him the ball, and he can and he's going to make plays for you. He's not the most flashy guy. He's not the he's not just going to bowl people over. He's a solid all around running back, which is why I kind of have that Jamal Williams idea to him. He's 
dense guy, plays well, plays hard, got nothing but good things to say about him, and he makes strong, solid plays when he's on the field. For sure, and there's a couple things I just want to run by you, because I know they've been linked, because they're kind of bigger names at this point, but they're probably late day two, early day three picks, and that's one, Triple Hubbard from Oklahoma State, and Jarrett Patterson out of Buffalo. Patterson, of course, set a ton of records with Buffalo. Would either of those two guys you think would fit early, if you're like looking at round five? Um, It's whether or not they get there, if uh, we're being realistic here. Uh, like, Chuba had Chuba had round two buzz last year. Like, he had round two buzz in last year's class. He, obviously, I don't think he would have been in the round two because just as the draft process would have gone on, he would have been nitpicked more and more. You had Jonathan Taylor, Cam Akers, DeAndre Swift, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Who, who, am, I, who am I leaving out? Who's, oh, J.K. Dobbins. J.K. Dobbins. No, I, I'm still not on the Gibson thing, but that's the story for another day. Well, I think Patrick Taylor started over, I think, in college. He did because he played running back, and Antonio Gibson was a gadget player, um, which would have made him actually perfect for Green Bay in the Tyler Irvin role. But, again, story for another day. But Chuba Hubbard is a straight-line athlete-type player. Um, he like extremely, extremely fast. Uh, he's going to test really well at the Oklahoma State Pro Day. Um, Jarrett Patterson is a I, – I like Jarrett Patterson. I think that he is a possible Green Bay target in round five. Like, again, it's I'm more in the boat that I think that they'll draft a running back, especially with ten picks. I think that they will end up drafting one there. And both those guys kind of fit the size profile. They're not super big, but they uh, they will more than get you, uh, get you by, and they can round out your room. And I think that Chubal will definitely test faster than uh, Patrick Taylor did at 4.57. I don't know about Jarrett, but uh, Jarrett's also a really like he's five nine one ninety five. He's a little lighter than Verdell at like he's about ten pounds lighter at the same height, but he's still but he's got a little bit more juice to him as well. So both those so all three of those guys, yeah, I think could be Green Bay targets. Chuba's the interesting one. The NFL's or draft community's really down on him, especially with all the other guys that had really strong years because he had a really down year after the year he put up last year. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they end up ranking him uh, coming into the draft, but I wouldn't be mad with any one of those guys on draft night. For sure, and so we're kind of agreeing that it's it's not needed, but we wouldn't say no if they drafted him. We would not be upset. Kind of like last week when you were talking about how our reactions were on draft night to some of these picks that they made. And I think we can both agree that they're not going to draft the fullback, right, because they have enough H-back tight end hybrids already. Yeah, no, uh, fullback will not be drafted. Actually, wait, so who do they have? They have Josiah DeGuara, and then, oh, Daphne, that's right. Okay, that's the one I left out. My mistake. So, yeah, no. And then they had Nada as well. So, yeah, no, they will not be drafting a fullback. So, that's a, you know, I'm going to call it Fire Goot if you draft him for with anything other than a seventh. If he drafts a fullback in the seventh round, I'm not going to yell at him. No, say if it doesn't say UDFA, then whatever. Okay, now, now let's get to the fun one. Here's wide receiver. Obviously, last year we all thought it was a must-pick. It turned out it turned out to be a not-pick at all. Um, we had all the receivers coming back. Inclu- also, Devin Funches now, who he did tweet out, or I went on Instagram on Saturday saying, "My fam- I've talked to my family after everything we went through last year. I'm coming back. I'm playing. I'm, this is going to be we're going to be playing football this season." Combine that with Devontae Adams, who I think will be extended sometime eventually in the next couple of months. MVS, EQ, Malik Taylor, Alan Lazard. Their receiver room is back. I'm not. I haven't done a lot of work on this receiver class yet, 
I think they probably should pick one, but I'm but it's definitely not for me a must pick this year. Uh yeah, this one won't qualify as a must pick for me. Uh, it will qualify as a should pick though. Um, the reason it's not going to qualify as a must pick for me is because I like I think Green Bay is going to end up picking at least one wide receiver in this draft. But with how clogged the room is right now, I just can't see them prioritizing it. So I just know that they're, they're going to pick at least one or two guys, at least one. With with I mean with ten picks, I think they'll end up with two. I know you said you haven't done a lot of work on this receiver class. I would recommend going through and watching a lot of these guys. There is some talent in this class. Jalen Waddle, Jamar Chase, Devonta Smith will all be off the board before Green Bay picks. Um, Devonta Smith put up, obviously, Heisman campaign. He was super fun to watch. Jamar Chase sat out all of last season. It doesn't matter. His 2019 tape was incredible to watch. Jalen Waddle is so explosive. Him and uh, He's got Henry Ruggs speed. Like They were neck and neck whenever they did races. Uh, Rashad Bateman, didn't quite have as good of a year in 2020 as he did in 2019, but he's still just super, super sound player. Going to come in and have a long career. 6'1", 210, perfect build. Really like the, really the player. He he tested a 4.39 at that Exos Pro Day, but then again, so did everybody else that was there that day, so I don't really trust that too much. Terrace Marshall Jr. gives you that downfield ability out of LSU. Deami Brown's another one. Amon Ross St. Brown. Super fundamentally sound player. He's not quite as explosive as EQ is, but he's more like fundamental. He's a better route runner, better blocker, and just his chisel of an athlete. Like obviously EQ, we've seen him, him and like all three of the kids. The dad who was Mister was he a Mister Universe? Okay, so yeah, the genetics went across the board. Amon Ra, there was a picture of him at his pro day the other day. He was just jacked out of his mind at 195 pounds. And then you, but the talent keeps going. Emir Smith Marset out of Iowa had, I think, like a 42 inch vert or something crazy like that. I think Josh Schmidt or Bebe did as well from Illinois. He had a really great time, great testing day. Yeah, both of those guys had incredible vertical jumps. Daz Newsom out of North Carolina is a really fun player. Sage Sherratt is a really has got a is a great jump ball specialist. Anthony Schwartz is there's fast guys. Anthony Schwartz has world class speed. Like, this kid, as a freshman in high school in Florida, this he wasn't running in um, Montana, in Alaska. He was in Florida as a freshman, and I believe he won he, – I think he got second as a freshman and then won state in Florida for, like, I think the 110 hurdles. There's talent. I agree, and, and this is one where I think they could go either any one of day one and day two or three. And obviously, whenever you hear Devontae Smith, I think he's Stephon Diggs. Because just he's going to be consistent, and great for a long, long time. But obviously, the big names are still Rondell Moore, Elijah Moore, who might be a little small for what the Packers usually do. But go ahead, one thing because obviously you live in Indiana. What's your thoughts on like Wap Fillier? Okay, so Wap Fillier is a player I actually just wrote a draft profile on for the Dynasty Nerds a couple of weeks ago. And when I watched him, I watched a few games of his. I had to tell a buddy of mine who uh, he and I have been friends for. It'll be uh, seven years in August. We both went to IU. We were roommates. We've been friends forever. We talk all the time. And I was like, I need you to go watch Wap Fillier. And he's like, why? And I was like, just talk me off a ledge. Tell me that I'm too high on him. And he's like, he's like, you're too high on him. And I was like, okay, well, I mean, I think that if they target him in early day four, I'm not going to be mad about it. I think that he fits the slot role 
like that that role for Randall Cobb that he had forever operating as a traditional slot receiver. Obviously, you can put Devontae Adams and other guys in there to play like big slot, but WAP is a traditional slot player, and I love him. If Green Bay picked him in the fourth round, I would be ecstatic. That would be the guy that, like how you were saying last week, uh, who who was the guy that you were like celebrating about in your room? Was it Drell Worthy? Drell Worthy, I was really, really excited for, yeah. So, Jarrell Worthy, that would be Watt Fillier for me. Like, I'm biased because he went to IU, but at the same time, just, I love the player. I think he's fundamentally sound. And once you get to the fourth round, you go get your guys. At that point, once you get to the fourth round, once you're out of the top, like, 100, I think at that point you're really focusing on going to get your guys. Who cares about the the draft capital you have to invest? I like Watt. I'm a fan of him. Um, Some people might not be, but I think he is. He kind of had a down year in 2020 because of the breakout of Ty Freifogel, but he's still a really talented player. Uh, Tamori Terry is another one, 6'4", 203. He was a guy that he had late first buzz coming into the like at the end of the summer. But just between coaching and drop inconsistencies, he just never quite caught on, caught on. But he's got the physical profile to go be a special, talented player. It's just a matter of landing spot, and if Green Bay got him on day three, which I think is where he's going to go, he is a perfect high risk or high high reward, low risk type player at the at the capital they would have to invest to get him. Okay, one last name for before I move on to tight ends. If he drops because he doesn't have a set position till early round four, even late round three, Demetrius Felton, how do you see LA? I see him as a running back and wide receiver. Demetri Felton is a weapon. Uh, I think that, so you know how in the last couple of years we've gone from calling defensive ends and outside linebackers, there's now just the edge designation? I think that that's coming for NFL players uh, in, that, in that mold, like the Tyler Urban, the Tavon Austin, the the Demetri Felton. I think he's a weapon. I think he, he is a player that he's going to fall because, like you said, he's a kind of jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none type. But if Green Bay wants... We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. To make him the running back that they select definitely could do much worse than getting Demetri Felton. I think he's a talented player. I, I, I like the route running that I've seen out of him, and I think that he can fit in on this offense because Matt LaFleur would know how to use him. Now, he is a little shorter. At 5'8 and, and a half and 189 pounds, he's, he's a little smaller for Green Bay, but we've seen before that Green Bay is willing to go outside of their typical measurables 
depending on how they have you ranked on their board. Because their board is they have a traditional board, and then they have a personal one. Like, okay, so we want you to be in these measurables, but we also have you at this this ranking. So if you are high enough on board on the board here, we are willing to ignore your measurables. See Randall Cobb. See Jair Alexander. Um, so that's so that's how I am on Felton. I'm not as high on him as some were after the Senior Bowl, but I still uh, I still like the player. Still think he's a talented kid. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions, and now they want to help you even more. With the Credit Karma Money Spend Account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot, and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Open your FDIC insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll automatically be entered to win $1 million. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to sign up for free and start winning. That's creditkarma.com slash winmoney. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. All right, so let's jump into tight ends. Because receiver, we think they should pick. So that's our second level. Uh, so we think they should pick a receiver. Tight end? I don't think they need to pick one. They have a lot of tight ends ready and a lot of talent in that room, especially if they do officially sign the tender for, for Bob Tunyon. You have him. You have Joseph DeGuaro coming back, who obviously we, we saw what Matt LaFleur was running down the hallway celebrating that pick last year. You got Dominique Daphne. You got Big Dog coming back. You have Jay Sternberger. You have Isaac Nauta. You have Isaac Nauta. Who, you, you, there is no other room for tight ends. Yeah. Uh, not if, the Bears. If Tunyon comes back... No shot to pick a tight end. This falls again into category four of should not pick. Um, and it's like I, I and I put it on bordering of fire goot. Like I don't. There's no reason to pick a tight end. You have six if you bring Tunyon back. There's no reason to bring him back. I don't think that they'll carry six next year. I think that ultimately Nada will get released, and then Daphne will probably end up on the practice squad, or Sternberger will get will get let go. But if you bring back Tanya, there's no shot that they're drafting a tight end. There's not even like a, oh, we'll just carry one in camp. You already have six. That's more than you need. That's still less than the Bears had last year, but that's more than you need. And and, I'm, I'm, and just from what I've read and what I've been kind of compiling, this doesn't seem to be that great of a class. I mean, Kyle Pitts is going to be a, a monster for a long time if, if he's on the right team. But there's behind them, it seems like a lot of really solid guys, but there's no game breakers. There's, there's not the. This is a class that's it's top heavy in terms of where the talent is in the class. Like, you look at um, av- like the average big board. Kyle Pitts is considered by a lot of people as a top five talent. I don't know if I'd put him quite that high, but that's where a lot of people have him. Pat Fryermuth, top fifty player. Brevin Jordan out of Miami, top uh, top seventy five player. Tommy Tremble, top one, out of Notre Dame, top one hundred player. Then you got Hunter Long, Kenny Yaboa. Nick Eubanks, there's a lot of other guys in this class that are possibly worth taking a look at or taking a shot on, but for the most part, like you said, it's not a very strong tight end class. It's When I say it's top-heavy, it's because you got four guys in the top 100, that's great, but after that, the uh, the class is just a lot of flyer-type players. Like, they, 
I'm using the, we have the TDN big board pulled up here, and four players in the top 100, and then you have one, two, three in the top, like from 100 to 200, and then it starts really falling off, and then a lot of guys after 230 and, and below. So it falls off really hard in this class. Yeah, so I think we can agree they should not pick a tight end in this one. So that's, again, our second from the lowest. So again, going through, it's must pick, should pick, not needed, but also not upset, shouldn't pick, and fire everything into the sun. So, for offensive line, do you want to tackle just tackles, or should we just go entire offensive line? I'd say let's go offensive tackle and then interior offensive line. I think let's break them into two groups here. Let's start with tackle, because I think they should pick a tackle. I think tackle's a must pick. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, because if you let's look at I, like I have their I have the Packers depth chart pulled up here. We have Dave Bakhtiari, Yosh, Yosh Nijman, Billy Turner, and Zach Johnson. Who, that, I, that, who I'm pretty sure is a guard at most for often than not. Well, he well, he's he's not actually he's not listed among the guards. Like, he's just listed as the backup right tackle. He might be a guard, but I'm just going off of how he's listed on this depth chart here. But yeah, he's probably not a tackle. And I think that that's one not enough tackle depth, and two you really need to address that position. There's there's not enough depth there. We said this last year, and it still rings true now. And, and this is one where for me, I can see them trading up if someone like if for some reason Rashawn Slater were to drop, go get him. If Slater drops, I'll be stunned, but. If but if it, so if Slater drops, here's the one thing about it. So you look at the draft order. I think Slater is going to go borderline top ten. I think I think he could go to Dallas. Dallas is an interesting spot for him. Carolina could look at him, especially if there's no quarterbacks left on the board. Philly, he's, he could be targeted by Philly. The Chargers, I think, could still use a tackle. Minnesota still needs offensive line help. I don't think Arizona will go after him. Vegas needs offensive line help, especially a tackle after they traded literally all of their tackles and, well, all of their offensive linemen. Miami, another option. I think Washington can use him, but it's not maybe not a priority for them. But Indianapolis is 100% his floor. That is, there's no way that he gets past Indy. So if you want, so if you want him, at a minimum, you're going to have to trade up above Indianapolis to do so. And there's no way Chicago's going to trade with you because you're in division. Because yeah, you know uh, Penny Sewell, if he drops past Cincinnati, that franchise should fold. The the only way he falls past Cincinnati is if Cincinnati takes Rayshon Slater. That's the only way that happens. Because if they don't, Joe Burrow may go absolutely insane. But Joe Burrow is going to hold out, yeah. But then there's other guys who are around that area with, uh, with Tevin Jenkins, Jalen Mayfield, Dylan Raddins, Liam Eikenberg, who is, uh, is riding rising are guys who could be in play at 29. Uh, there's last time, I mean, when they took Brian Balaga, it worked out. Like you, you need big guys. You can never have enough linemen, either offensive or defensive. And with Bakhtiari's injury, with Billy Turner maybe only having one more year before he ends up becoming a cap casualty, they need to start looking ahead at offensive line without a doubt and tackle. Obviously, with the way the NFL has been situated defensively, you need a strong right tackle. And the, I agree with you, it is a must-pick. They have to come out with at least one, if not two, tackles in this draft. Yeah, I strongly agree with that. Uh, and if you get a guy that – and this is a class that has a lot of those guys that play tackle and might end up at guard in their career. Like Alex Leatherwood is probably the 
that's the name that I think of the most. Like, there's guys like Rayshon Slater. Some people think Rayshon Slater is going to be a guard. Some people think that uh, Jackson Carmen might have to be a guard because he's not super fleet of foot, but he's got really good girth. He got 6'5", 345. He's a, he a well-built, well-fed young man. You have Jalen Mayfield is a guy who I think Green Bay should look, could look at at 29 because he played right tackle at Michigan. He's 6'5", 319. He's got long. He's got long arms. He's just. He's a big, athletic guy. And he's very and, he, and yeah. And how do you know how old he is? Let's see. Tw- he'll be twenty. He'll be twenty-one a month after the draft is over because he doesn't turn twenty-one till May, May twenty-third. So yeah, he is. He is a very young guy. So Jalen Mayfield's a possibility. That's he's got the athletic. That's Green's Packers. It, it really does, especially if they want to d- develop him for a year and then say, and then next year kick Billy Turner into right guard, say, hey, Billy, we'll go ahead and we'll keep you on. We'll give you a pay cut to be a guard. We'll give you, we'll extend you, and then we'll take Mayfield and put him on the right side, and you still got Bakhtiari on the left side. So, I, so yeah, Mayfield is a interesting possibility there. Liam Eichenberg, I like. I don't think that he fits Green Bay's uh, like plans, though. He's, a, he's not the most fleet of foot type of guy. He's a – I think he's going to – I think he's going to start for 10 years because he's – He's not Quentin Nelson, but he's Quentin Nelson light. Fundamentally sound. He's going to come in. He's going to play strong football. I think that Liam Eikenberg should start day one for a team because he is just that fundamentally sound. He will never be the best tackle in football, but he will always be an average to above average starter, similar to Mike McGlinchey, who also came out of Notre Dame. But if Green Bay doesn't want to go on day one, do you have any guys on day two or day three that you think – they should take a shot on this guy. Well, I mean, I do like Leatherwood. Uh, what about Brady Christensen out of BYU? That's that's what I've I've heard a little bit about. Same with Spencer Brown of Northern Iowa. Six eight and a half, three fourteen. Yeah, yeah, he's a he's a big guy. Spencer Brown is yes. And Brady Christensen is another one who he's an athlete too. Like he's six six three hundred, so he's a little light in the shorts, but he's really good athlete. He played with. Obviously, Zach Wilson this last year, and that was the guy that everybody was out at. Obviously, Zach Wilson's pro day to watch Zach Wilson, but at the same time, Brady Christensen was the guy that everybody was like, "Hey, we got to pay attention to that offensive tackle over there because that kid is talented." So Brady does. Brady's another talented guy that I think is going to go on uh, day two, maybe late day three. He played. He played on the left side. I don't know if he can play the right side. That'd be something to look into there. Another guy is also Samuel Cosme thing is, I don't know how far he's going to fall. He's 6'7", 300, so it's very possible that Vegas is going to take him in the first round. Yeah, there's a, there's a chance there. And and then, obviously, they're going to take some on day three. That's what they've done. They've done for years now. I think it's been one year since the millennium that they haven't drafted an offensive lineman, at least one. They're going to take him. It's just where? Yeah, they're going to end up taking one. And also, to uh, you Wisconsin faithful out there, maybe they're going to take Cole Van Lanen in, like, at the, on day three. I don't, I don't think they will, but just he went to Wisconsin, so I know all of you want us to talk about him. I was waiting to say if someone's going to bring up Garrett Groshek at running back either. Cole Van Lanen, I think he, he can be a long-time backup lineman. He's, he's more of a UDFA guy now because he's battled injuries, but I think he can cover out a long career as, as like, a swing tackle. But I, I will, seventh round, okay, but I'm not going to. Not going to yeah, take I'm, him any time sooner. Yeah, I'm not going to be freaking out. Yeah. All right, let's move on to interior offensive line. How you thinking here, Mike? Because I am in the camp of I think they should draft him. Again, just like I like tackles a must draft, this is a should I draft. I think should. I'm, I'm with you on should. Because, I, I mean, last year they drafted three interior linemen. 
Uh, you've there's still if they bring back Liam Taylor, there's another one. You got Elton Jenkins. You got Lucas Patrick. Billy Turner can kick inside. They seem to have guards. Ben Braden's back. He could be a, a long time backup. I think they should, but a tackle for me is way more important. Now again, if Elijah Vera Tucker is dropping, think about it. There's no, there's no. But that's not going to happen. But yeah, because there's some people that think Vera Tucker can play tackle. I'm, I'm a little more. I think he's going to end up being a guard, but he could also play tackle. And I don't think that the. I know you have the same big board pulled up in front of you. I don't think that the drop off from Vera Tucker to the rest of the interior offensive linemen in this class is as far. What do you think about Creed Humphrey? I haven't done enough on Humphrey. I'm interested. I, I do like Landon Dickerson. From what I've heard, though, Landon Dickerson's not their type. I haven't watched a ton of Landon Dickerson. I, I've heard Creed Humphrey is more their type, Just and he could be a guy that Green Bay could easily – they could trade back into the beginning of the second round, and then that could be their top pick. And so say, all right, we went from Corey Lindsley, and then now we have Creed Humphrey, who was a borderline first-round pick last year, and then now he could be a – just as like a start of day two pick this year. And also, just to make our friend Owen happy, let's talk about Quinn Miners from Whitewater. He, Quinn Miners, I, I love the kid. He's awesome. He had a great he had a great picture at the Senior Bowl, and he tested extremely well. Six three three twenty. He tested well, worked out well, moves really good. It, people think he's like there's guys that get popular because they're a meme, like Elijah Holyfield was popular a popular name because he was a meme, and then obviously he was Evander's son. But Quinn Miners was a meme that everyone watched and was like, oh, this guy's actually really good because he was voted best interior offensive lineman on his team at the Senior Bowl. And that's over – that was over, like, studs. That was over – He was dominating that week. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, I heard really good things about Landon Dickerson at the Senior Bowl as well, who Landon uh, – Jim Nagy went on the Draft Dudes podcast and kind of talked to them and – he and they said that Landon was like a coach. It was like they had another coach because obviously he couldn't play because he had torn his ACL again, which I believe he's had three torn ACLs in his career. So he continues to just not be able to stay fully healthy, which that moves him down my board significantly over other guys just because you can't make plays if you're not on the field. But I've heard nothing but good things about Landon Dickerson in terms of like the the character and his coachability and his ability to lead the other guys around him. And he's and his play when he's healthy and on the field is great. It's just you got to move him down because if you can't be on the field, I you can't play for me. Which leads, I guess, the last one we'll talk about because I, I think uh, on uh, round three, Myers could be a good pick. But if he's there in round two, Wyatt Davis out of Ohio State, another guy. He had a first round buzz last year. Fell fell real hard. So yeah, do you, do you think he could be a fit at, at guard at right guard? I think he could. I think that this I think this class has a lot of really talented guards that I like. Wyatt Davis is one of them. Josh Myers is another center. You don't want to get Creed Humphrey in the late first, early second. That's fine. Josh Myers might be on the board for you in the in the late second. Trey Smith is a guy out of Tennessee who was the number one recruit in the ESPN class of th- like the ESPN 300 his like senior season of high school. Number one. Not it wasn't a defensive tackle. wasn't a quarterback. wasn't a pass rusher. It was a guard, and that was Trey Smith. And he just has dealt with some health issues here and there. But Trey Smith, a talented kid. Deontay Brown is a guy that is going to, I think, rise in the next month. He Because everyone knows him. He's the big, if you don't know who he is, he played at Alabama. He's 6'3", 364 pounds. He is the guy that looked like Blastoise during the uh, the 
run to the to their national championship this year. He slimmed down a lot for his for the Alabama Pro Day. I think he lost like twenty to thirty pounds for the Alabama Pro Day, which was incredible because he lost like that means he lost like twenty to thirty pounds over the course of two months. And Deontay Brown is just a big guy. He's not super mobile, so might not be a Green Bay guy, but I think he's going to be just strong starter. And then some deeper names in this class. There's there's not really a ton there. There's uh like you can look at Drew Dahlman out of Stanford. You got Drake Jackson out of Kentucky is a, is a solid player. So there's some guys on like day two, but day three there's not a ton there. So I think if Green Bay is going to get their guards, it's going to be between rounds two and then round four, which is obviously early day three. For sure. So again, tackle is a must pick. Interior line they should pick. Again, offensive line. We're both big fans of offensive line. They better make some moves on the trenches. Let's flip over to defense. Let's go to interior defensive line. This is a must pick. You need to get Kenny Clark help. Dean Lowry could still be a post-June cut. Tyler Lancaster is still out there as a as a UFA. He can, he'll come cheap, but you, you need somebody. You need another guy. I don't think they can afford Jaron Reed. I don't think they can afford any of the top D-line guys out there right now. So that means you got to build from here. Whether it's a Davian Nixon, a, Todd, a Tyler Shelvin, you, I think, I think round two and three is where you're going to find some of these guys. And it's really unfortunate that it is a must pick this year because this is not a good class to need interior defensive linemen out of. The top name is Levi Onwuzurike out of Washington. A lot of people are going to tell you it's Christian Barmore out of Alabama. Barmore's high points are higher than anybody else in this class, especially this interior defensive line class, but the problem is they are so few and far between. He really built on his season last year, as it, and he peaked at the right time, but he's just too inconsistent with energy-wise. That's why Levi is the top guy in this class, but like, there's just not a ton of guys that are ones to go after. There's Jalen Twyman out of Pittsburgh, 6'2", 290. He wore number 99. Everyone's like, oh, it's Aaron Donald 2.0 because he went to Pittsburgh. He's an interior defensive lineman. He plays just like Aaron Donald did in terms of how he tries to win. Problem is, there's a reason Aaron Donald was fell to 14. If everybody knew Aaron Donald was going to be the player that he ended up becoming, Aaron Donald would have been first overall pick in his draft. Problem was, he was 6'2 and 280. No one thought he was going to be able to be the guy that he has become. You don't chase the exception of the rule. This is why I wasn't a huge fan of the A.J. Dillon pick last year because you were chasing the exception of the rule, which was Derrick Henry. The Derrick Henry is the exception of the rule. He's not the rule, and never go chasing it. That's why you don't chase Jalen Twyman early on. Jalen Twyman is a fun player. Problem is he's the exception of the rule. He's 6'2", 290. He's not big enough versus you can get a guy like J. Tufele, who's 6'3", 315, who I would love for Green Bay to pick in the sec- in the on day two. I think that he is a perfect fit in this new scheme that Green Bay is going to be running under Joe Barry. He's uh, He has a hot motor. He's not the biggest guy. He's not the fastest guy, but he is always running from snap, and he's got a quick first step, just like Kenny Clark does. They can both get off quick and get into their blocker's face. And I that that I think he might be my favorite guy in this class in terms of, like, the top ten or so. He's not, like, my number one guy, but I just I love the player so much, and I loved his film when I watched it. And here's one, again, for the obligatory people in the state. Round seven or six, or even UFA, 
I, I, I want to bring up because he's one of my draft crushers is Isaiah Laudermilk. I love, he came from eight-man football to the University of Wisconsin and played right away, 6'7", 296 right now, but he's, he's got the frame to bulk up. He's got long arms, he's got a knack of knocking balls down, and he has got a motor. He just, um, in Jim Leonard's system, D-line does not put up the numbers you'd expect. Uh, as a day three guy, that's a guy who I would I would look at just with just with that frame. If you're going to replace Dean Lowry, get another really tall, long armed dude who's got a knack for getting in passing lanes. But otherwise, maybe a guy like a Naquan Jones from Michigan State in, in round six or seven. Yeah, that I just I just went and did a quick Google search of him. He does have the frame to put on more weight, so that'll be interesting to see what he does at the next level. Because I, I don't think he needs to put on a ton, but he could put on probably 10 to 15 pounds and still be playing at a really comfortable spot because he carries his body weight so well. There are some like guys here in this class that you can get on like late day two, early day three. But yeah, like you said, Naquan Jones, interesting. Uh, I, by the way, I like Laddermilk just because he's got a cool name. Like two that, H's in his first name. It, it, Two H's, louder milk. That's just that's just good stuff. Brian Ray is a guy that's not going to be super high on anybody's boards, and he's not Christian Barmore, but he's a solid player. He's coming out of Alabama. He's gonna he could slot into your rotation. Again, not the top end guy, but he's going to just give you solid play. I think they should draft. I don't, and I'm sure that they will draft somebody. It's just I'm not sure where where they're going to go because this class has got a lot of guys that can do something, but they're not super like, special in any one area. Area Tommy Togiai is another guy for, like, that late day two pick that they might look into. He's strong, played at Ohio State, 6'2", 300 pounds, could slot in next to Kenny. He's more of a run stuffer than anything else, so if you so if Green Bay really wants to make run stuffing a priority, he's a guy they could look to target, and it'll just be interesting to see how they kind of elect to go at this class. Which is what I think they need to do, because... We've seen Kingsley Kiki's shown some juice rushing, rushing the passer. You you need someone who's going to hold up, stop in the run games, especially if, depending on how that's if that seventeenth game gets scheduled, you need guys who are going to be able to stop some running backs this year. Yeah, you really do, especially when you, when you look around the NFC North just alone. You have Dalvin Cook, DeAndre Swift, Jamal Williams, and uh, David Montgomery. There's some talent in the NFC North as well as the rest of the NFC. Let's move on to the edge. Where do you fall? I'm either I'm between should. And I won't be upset if they don't. I mean, they got their top three. I still think Spider Garvin's got something that he can bring. We'll see what they do with Randy Ramsey. But you also can never have enough pass rushers. Absolutely, I think they should draft another one because this class, this is the this is the class right here. Just like wide receiver, you have edge rusher. You have a lot of guys that are not necessarily superstars, but there's a lot of jack of there's a jack of trades or a master of a trade type. Like, there's a lot of guys in this class that you don't have the Chase Young. You don't have the Nick Bosa. You don't have that guy in this class. You don't have the Miles Garrett. You have a lot of guys, though, who can do something for you and can bring something to your pass rush room. You have Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith, Zedaria Smith. And then, like you had mentioned, you have the Spider Garvin, Randy Ramsey, etc. But you can add something else to this room with this draft class because there's guys just – you go down the whole board and there's just everybody does something a little bit different for your roster. For sure, and, and the name that stood out to me, because I know he was rated really highly last year, is Gregory Rousseau out of Miami. Rousseau is an interesting cat. 6'5", 260, uh, put up an incredible sophomore season at at Miami, and then he said, you know what, I'm out. Uh, he took the year off to go work and focus on the draft, and 
he said, I put up good take. You guys have seen what I can do. And that's, and that's, you're just going to have to live with that. And Rousseau is, Rousseau, Phillips, and then Quincy Roche, who also, all three of those guys went to Miami. It's going to be really interesting to see how the NFL looks at those guys. Roche is a speed rusher. The guy's just got juice off the edge. Jalen Phillips was the number one recruit in the country when he came out, but concussions and some other things, I believe he had some off-the-field issues at UCLA, caused him to transfer, and then this year he finally stayed healthy, and you were like, okay, this is why that guy was the number one recruit in the country, because he just made some tackles look bad. Like, he was running circles around kids at times. It just, it looked like it was unfair. Gregory Rousseau, it would have been really, really good to see him play alongside those other two guys just to see what Miami would have been able to do. I like Rousseau's frame. I think he could bulk up a little bit. I don't think he needs to do a t- bulk up a ton, but I think he could carry a little bit more weight. He's got really good length, and it's just a matter of figuring out if he was a flash in the pan or if he's going to, or if he can replicate that production again. The guy that everyone's talked about the last week, though, is Jason Owa out of Penn State, 6'5", 257, ran a, what, 4'3", like 4'3", 40? Yeah, he put up stupid speed numbers. Yeah, he was in the Bruce Feldman's freak list before the year, and then he... He did it. He went and lived up to the to the freak to the freak hype. The only problem, though, he had no sacks last year. This guy, all this talent, all this athleticism, had. Oh wait, yeah, he had zero sacks on the whole year. And you got to be like, okay, is that an issue where they were just going away from you? Was that a was that a you talent issue? You weren't getting pressure. What happened here? Or or was it also a pedigree of not having Michael Parsons in that lineup either? Could be. To free up stuff. Good. Yeah, oh, yeah. he's one interesting guy, right? Because if they draft an edge, they don't need him to be getting a ton of snaps right away. So you can take a developmental guy. Yeah, and if you're going to take a developmental guy, I think it makes more sense to go a little later on then. Like maybe like a Patrick Jones out of Pittsburgh, 6'4 264, and you can get him on probably day three of the draft. He was a guy that had – he's, again, talented guy. And like I said before, there's a lot of guys in this class that are – Kind of jack of trade, jack of trades, master of none types. Patrick Jones is one of those. He's got he's got some talent, and he can he'll land it on a roster, but he might never be more than that. He's more of a four three end. He might be able to convert to a three four. I'm not 100 percent sure about that yet, so that'd be something to look into a little more. Shaka Tony, another guy, Penn State, Penn State guy, super athletic. Rashad Weaver also uh, out of Pittsburgh. There's a lot of Pitt, uh, Pennsylvania rushers here with some talent that. You can like Green Bay can go on day two, day three, like day two, day three of the draft, and say, okay, let's go ahead and add a couple guys to our room just to see what we can do here. Yeah, this is where I can see uh, in rounds two and three, whether it's a, a Jason Oa or whether it's a Quincy Roche. Uh, if you want to go bigger, Carlos Basham out of Wake Forest. I was gonna, I was gonna say Carlos Basham Jr. is another guy. Plus, he's a redshirt senior, and we know that Green Bay really likes having those mature voices in the room, and that's what he can bring to you. Uh, he's a He's not going to be the flashiest player, but he's going to come in and provide a high floor of play for a long time. Similar to kind of how I said with Liam Eichenberg earlier, Basham's not quite that high of a level, but Basham's just another guy that's going to come in. He can play from day one and give you solid production when he's on the field. Let's move on to linebacker because this is a position that was another one of those ones where we thought, yeah, Green Bay is going to get a guy. And then when Green Bay traded up, everyone's like, oh, Patrick Queen, that's the guy. No. No, it's not. Yeah, this one, should, I think they should pick one. 
but I also do like Chris Barnes and Kamal Martin. And you never know if Joe Barry's going to fall in love with Oren Burks randomly again. He, who knows? With the new with the new staff, but obviously, m- m- if Micah Parsons drops a twenty nine, that's a whole different story. But I Parsons just ran four three six at two hundred forty pounds. He he ain't dropping that far. Yeah, the only way he would drop would be off field stuff. But that's all hearsay right now. So who and knows? from what I've heard with the off field stuff, the main concern is just his quote unquote commitment to football, which. I, for those listening out there, if you're one of the people that if you're one of the people that says that a guy that you're not going to draft a guy because he doesn't say that he only does football and that's all he does, guess what? People have interest outside of football. I want you to do me a favor. Do you only do work stuff, or do you do work and or do you do work and then have other hobbies? People are allowed to have hobbies. Micah Parsons, from what I've heard, is a guy that has hobbies and he's never set and he just doesn't say, oh yeah, football is not my favorite thing. Mackay Becton last year got dinged in the pre-draft process because he said he liked to cook. Yeah, the guy's 6'4", 364 pounds. He's going to like to cook. So Mike Parsons, super talented. He's going to be – I think he should be picked in the top 10. He might not. I think it will be top 20 for sure. Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa out of Notre Dame is an interesting player. 6'2", 216. He's that, that overhang defender. He's a converted safety uh, Baron Browning out of Ohio State, six three two forty one. There's a just, and he's really well built. There's there's some there's some talent in this class. Nick Bolton's your classic out of Missouri. He's your classic thumper type. Zayvon Collins, yeah, Zayvon Collins, six four two sixty. Man, he is he is a dense dense human being. Uh, you have Dylan Moses, who obviously that was the guy that everyone thought was going to be a first round pick last year, and some even said that even though he had torn his ACL, he still could have been a first. Yeah, yeah, because he was. They said he could have gone into the draft, and he came back, and he tore his ACL, and then he came back again. And people thought he could still be a first round pick. He said he played through injury most of the year was kind of the problem. He said that uh, he did an interview at some point in I think it was January or December that he said he'd been playing through pain all year long. So that's something to pay attention to. That knee could be like the Miles Jack situation where it might not be an issue now, but it might be an issue in a couple of years. The two guys, though, that I really like for Green Bay are Jabril Cox, who I'm actually working on a draft profile for him now, and then Chaz Surratt out of North Carolina. I was going to bring up both those names. I agree. I think I, I really like Jabril Cox. They, yeah, they, Jabril. they need that rangy. Yep, Jabril Cox is the range guy to pair with the Kamal Martin and Chris Barnes, who are more of the uh, – they're both thumper-ish. Jabril has got really good range, 6'3", 233. He's a little light for a linebacker, but in the, in the modern NFL where guys have to be able to run sideline to sideline, that's, that's about what you're going to get at 6'3", 230, 235. And Chaz converted quarterback, 6'1 and a half, 227 pounds. You wouldn't have really known that he was a converted quarterback, though, other than the fact that he might have been the most intelligent defender on the field at all times. He might have been the smartest player on the field other than the opposing quarterback at all times because he just he's so smart, and he's like he played quarterback for so long, he even played quarterback in college, he and then he converted – yeah, and then he converted because he, they were like, no, it's not going to work. So he flipped over, and you could tell he had that quarterback background because his brain was just processing things that most guys don't get, and that's such a big deal. If you can process fat, like so fast on defense, that's where you can really make a difference. In Like if you ever lack in athleticism, which Chaz Surratt's not really a lacking athlete, but if you ever lack in athleticism, you can make up for it in brain power. So Surratt being a good athlete as well as having a really good brain he he is a really talented kid that I wouldn't mind Green Bay adding. But the, him and Jabril Cox are my top two targets for 
Green Bay in this class just because I think Parsons is definitely going to be off the board by the time they pick. And then I'm not as high on the Zayvon Collins and Baron Browning as everybody else is. I think Owusu Koromoa, I would rather just not go after him. And then Nick Bolton, they don't really need a thumper. So Cox and Surratt, that's probably my top two targets for Green Bay. And I guess one last thing on Jabril Cox is that he has played in a lot of big games, which I think I think that does make an impact when you're looking at prospects. Guys who have, when the lights are the brightest, how do they perform, even in a college setting? And with his time at NDSU and LSU, that's the guy. And one last guy to talk about, just because his name is awesome, is Tough Borland. Why not? Round seven. Yeah. Tough Borland. Tough Borland's more of a thumper, though. Like redshirt senior, special six teams. foot, two twenty nine. Yeah, he like he can round out your special teams. But if you want to do that, just keep Ty Summers. Ty Summers is at least a better app. Next up is our. Let's just say it's a must pick, or picks. Next corner, they're picking multiple corners. Yes. No. Okay. Corner is a must pick as well because although I still think Josh Jackson can be talented, I think that he's going to end up elsewhere. Like, I think Josh Jackson can be a starter in this league still just because I like I like what I've seen when you let him do what he's good at. But the problem is nobody lets him do that. But, yeah, corner's going to be a must-pick. Asante Samuel Jr. is the guy that everybody in Packers Twitter uh, is in love with because he is – he's Jair Alexander, basically what he is. He's 5'9". Five, he's, five he's a little lighter. He's, he's a little shorter, but he's still got that attitude. He's still just got this scrappy, I'm better than you mentality – and he wants to let everybody that's out there on the field with him know that I'm just as good as you are. He's got the, the pedigree from playing. Like, obviously, his dad, uh, Santos Samuel Sr., played in the NFL for years. With the Patriots, yeah. Yep. He, he, that's the guy that everybody wants. I don't want him in the first. I've seen some people try and say it, put him there, and I'm like, no, 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 no. let's calm down. Let's calm down with how high we're going we're gonna to love Asante Samuel here. Maybe, like, maybe late two, sure. That, that I can be a little more on board with, but... The guy I really like in this class in terms of, like, some of these top names is not J.C. Horn. It's not Eric Stokes. It's not Efeti Melifonu. It's Elijah Molden out of Washington. And I know everyone's going to be going to freak out because, obviously, you had Kevin King, who played at Washington. Elijah Molden is not that player. He is a – he's more he's more of a nickel, but he is just – he's a starting caliber player that he can play from day one because he's – like I was saying earlier about Chesterat, he's super smart. He knows how to make plays. He's got really good athleticism, and he knows how to bait quarterbacks well. He did that a lot with his because his instincts are so strong, so he can bait quarterbacks into thinking, oh, yeah, he can't get there. He can't quite get there. But then he can use this quick twitch athleticism. He's not really a top-end speed guy, but he's got really good uh, fluidity in his hips, and he's really good in short areas. And so I think that Elijah Molden's a guy that, they could look to add him into their corner room to play in the slot with uh, King and Jair working outside. Is there a little bit of Byron Murphy in his game? Yeah, maybe a little bit. I mean, Byron Murphy, I, I had much higher, but, but I mean, like a little bit. But that's probably just like Washington has Washington corners. That makes sense. I mean, it's, it's like it's like the Alabama corners all generally being somewhat similar. Ohio State guys being similar. Generally, one a school, especially if they're under the same coaching staff or a similar coaching staff, which is what Washington is. They're under. Wait, no, this was they were uh, they he was recruited by the previous guy, right? Perry Fuel or whoever it was. Yeah, he was. So so he was under that recruiting staff. So it makes sense, but he was still coached by his his primary defensive coordinator. So it makes sense that he's got some Byron Murphy to him, but he's not. But he's also not quite the same player. He's not the quite level level player that Byron was. Yeah, because we hear a lot about Horn and Newsom and Stokes, Samuel. Uh, I'm hearing a little more about Melifonu, too, as well. 
But he's, yeah, he's an athlete, crazy athlete, just like his brother was. But you talk, we talked about, you talked about the Ohio State corners. Was, and this is not meant as any sort of insult. Was there any player that had his stock drop more than Sean Wade in the past year? I I thought about this recently, and I think that there is one. I just can't remember who it is off the top of my head. But yeah, Sean Wade. After, it all went downhill when he got ejected against Clemson for targeting. He got ejected for targeting. Ohio State went and lost the game. And then he went back to school, and then he didn't convert to outside. It just – it it was bad all the way around. It was never good. It just – and the year just kept getting worse for him. Like, Cuba Hubbard, maybe, but I think that, yeah – like some people had him, uh, some people had. Speaking about uh, Sean Wade, some people had him as a first round corner, like first round corner, and he's not that. I I think Tamorian Terry. I think Tamorian Terry is the guy that I would say had the the biggest fall from grace because he was a like I said a borderline first round prospect coming into the dra- coming into the season last year, and and now there are people talking about him going in the seventh or going undrafted. Like he fell off hard. I think that that's the guy I would say that had the the biggest drop off this past year, but yeah, uh, the the last year has not been kind to Sean Wade, who is a slot corner at the next level, slot corner or a rotational safety. So Green Bay actually could look to target him at six one one and one ninety four. He's got decent size. Like I said, he can play in the slot, which is where I think he's going to play at the next level. He just did not look comfortable outside. He looked much more comfortable playing in the slot. And he can also convert to safety and kind of play – if Green Bay wants to play a three-safety role where they have Sean Wade, Adrian Amos, and Darnell Savage kind of playing the robber-roamer role, Sean Wade's not a bad person to throw in the room there. He's still a talented player. Trey Brown out of Oklahoma is also another one that's not kind of interesting. Five nine and a half, one eighty eight, 188, a little smaller, but still a talented kid. Well, I was going to ask, right above him is uh, Shakur Brown, Michigan State. He's got ball skills. Haven't watched him, so I, I'm not going to give an opinion on him. Uh, I don't I, I don't know anything about him, so I'm I'm not even gonna. All I know is he's six foot tall, 180 pounds. He's a redshirt junior. That is the old, that is literally the only stuff I can tell you about him. That's because it's on my screen right now. All right, so yeah, corner must draft. Worst kept secret in really America at this point. Let's move on to safety. If the name is Javon Mooring, then yes, it's a must draft. Other than that, I think they should draft one. Depending on if they give back Raven Green on a cheap deal or even Will Redmond or guys like that, you got Amos and Savage holding it down. They're an elite duo. I put this as a as a should to should to must. I put it between four and five, uh, more than three and four. I think that they really want to play multiple safety looks, and that requires getting another guy on the field. I don't like the names that they have in the safety room right now. I don't necessarily want to bring back Raven Green. I know. Uh, I know that's going to break Zach's heart, but I don't. I don't want to bring Graven Green back. He hasn't been able to stay on the field. I don't want to bring him back. Will Redmond had the just Will Red. Who had a worse like the NFC Championship game? Will Redmond or Kevin King? Mike Patton. Fair, because like if Will Redmond doesn't drop that pick, Kevin King doesn't get a touchdown thrown over his head. Green Bay doesn't go into the half trailing by or like giving up a touchdown. Just all sorts of stuff. I, again, it's Mike Patton. It, it is Mike Patton's fault, but. That's something to look at there. But this class of safety... If they bring back Redmond, it'll be for special teams. That, that'll that give you. If you bring him back as a special teamer, that's fine. I, I, he'll be the Jarrett Bush. Just that's be, fine. Be around forever. 
that is fine. I'm okay with bringing him back to play special teams. I'm not okay with bringing him back to play defense. Some guys in this class I like, Hamza Nasterildin. That's another guy. He was a first-round player last year and then came back, didn't quite uh, put it up again, 6'3", 213. Oh, another guy that I forgot about that had, had a bad year, which is this is a clearly a Florida State issue, Marvin Wilson. That was a guy, uh, Benjamin Solak uh, of the Draft Network, called him, he was number, he was DT1, and it was not close. And then I'm pretty sure he had Marvin Wilson outside of his top ten. So Marvin Wilson had a big fall from grace, rightfully so. I watched this film. It's it's fine. It's not great. Uh, but Hampson Asterildi had a fine year. 6'3", 213. He's the same size as Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, who is a linebacker. Hamza is a dense, dense human. He is a big athlete. He's fast. He's got he's got good movement skills. I think that he is a guy that Green Bay should target on day two, along with Jabril Cox. If you get Jabril Cox and Hamza in the early end on day two, that's a that's a good day for me. Okay, question for you. If you're on pick 29 and you see J.C. Horn, you see Trevon Mori, and you, you see a Tevin Jenkins. Who are you taking? Tevin Jenkins. Uh, J.C. Horn's a little grabby for me. I understand that he – I understand a lot of people are really high on J.C. Horn right now. He just had the bit, He just had the great pro day, ran in the four threes. He's got great size, great athleticism, a super explosive athlete. I, had, I don't have his vertical and broad jump in front of me, but I know there were really good numbers. I looked at him this morning. Super athletic guy. That's great. He's uh, Joe Horn's son, for those that don't know. But he's, he's too grabby for me. He's too physical. And I, I made this joke uh, to Peter Bukowski uh, in the last week or so. where So Peter was really gassing up J.C. Horn on a play. And then I and I replied with, hopefully he ends up in Tampa Bay so that way he never called for a holding penalty because he's so grabby. And it doesn't make any sense because he's got the athleticism to run with the with guys. I don't know if it's a I don't know if it's an instinct issue, but he's got since he's got that size, he likes to bully receivers. And if he gets beat at all, he starts getting a little too grabby. And I don't like that because NFL receivers are going to know how to sell that and they're going to know how to how to have that how to get that called on. Uh, Trayvon, I don't want to invest a first round pick in a guy that isn't going to be a starter for me as long as there's not an injury. Savage and Amos are the starters. There's not a – and I said that they might play multi, like some more multiple safety looks, but you're not going to start three safeties, or at least I don't think they're going to. So I would rather go get Tevin Jenkins, who we've already said tackle is a must-draft. I think Tevin Jenkins is a talented player. Also, the fact that two of the t- – like two of the top, like three or four tackles in this class um, are just – have glasses and – they don't look like they should, it kind of cracks me up because I was like, the old school NFL is not going to like this. They're going to be like, they don't look how, they don't look like a mean, angry tackle. They look like a guy that is a, an academic All-American. I don't like that. That's not how that's supposed to be. So, But Tevin Jenkins is a guy that's got mean hands, super strong. I like the player. But yeah, no, Trayvon, talented, but I I can't prioritize him when I have Savage and Amos. That's fair. So we can then agree that if they draft special, a special teamer, it's fire goot. They're not drafting a kicker, punter, or long snapper this year. Yeah, it's special teams. You can you can get you can get guys as UDFS. You you can do that. You don't need to you don't need to make a priority out of drafting them. So that's why I'm okay with just Green Bay not drafting anybody on special teams this year. Plus, they just brought in a new backup long snapper. 
So I'm so we're okay there. And then you look at punter. J.K. Scott needs to improve his consistency. Maybe he can do that with the new special teams coordinator. I also think that they're going to bring in at least one punter this offseason to to challenge J.K. The Mason Crosby stuff will be interesting. Um, obviously, Mason – did Mason get a contract restructure? A little bit, yeah. Okay, I, I was – I think I was it ended four years. He was – Oh, okay, that's right. Yep, he got a, he was one of the Boyd year players. Yep, he got a Boyd year added on 23, 24, and 25, and then he got an extra year next year. So, yeah, Mason is going to be back for this year and next year, and then and I think we're okay. Otherwise, you don't need to really address special teams. But that is the that is the roster. Very much so. Again, just very quickly to run through it: quarterbacks they shouldn't pick, but they might. Running backs, it's. Again, not needed, not thrown upon to shouldn't pick. Receiver, they should pick. Tight end, they should not. Offensive tackle is a must. Offensive guard is a should. Defensive line is a should to must. Linebacker is a should to must. Corner is multiple musts. And safety is a should. So, namely, the Packers need to be pretty balanced this year in draft season and start filling out this roster with guys who will be able to see the field fairly quickly. That's not about right? Yeah, that's about right. Uh, Green Bay is a – when you have a good team, it makes it a little harder to identify needs. It's easier to identify needs on a team like Jacksonville, where you can just say, we need guys that are good. In Green Bay, you're like, okay, we have a lot of good players, so where do we need to get some better players at? And that's and so you, uh, you hit the nail right on the head. As so that being said, I know we went a little bit long this week, but, of course, coming up next week, it looks like we're going to be starting really getting into some draft stuff. Uh, we're going to have a lot going on in the Pack of Day podcast as far as draft coverage. Uh, follow Gage at G. Bridgeford NFL on Twitter. Follow myself at Mike Wetland. Uh, follow the Pack of Day podcast at Pack of Day podcast and wherever you can find your podcast on your favorite platforms. So for everyone, this is Mike Wetland and Gage Bridgeford saying so long. Everyone, stay warm, stay safe, always carry the G, and go Pack Go. <laughs>